0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films, every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at FilmSchoolRadio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Angola Do You Hear Us chronicles the most important performance of acclaimed playwright Lisa Jesse Peterson's life. A 2020 appearance on the chapel stage of the Louisiana State Penitentiary. The prison, with its 6,000 incarcerated men and 18,000 acres of farmland, is better known as Angola, named after the homeland of the enslaved people who once labored on the site of this former plantation. Peterson's journey there to deliver her one woman production of The Peculiar Patriot begins many years earlier when she takes a job teaching poetry to incarcerated teenagers at Rikers Island. The film again is called Angola Do You Hear Us? And we're joined today by the director, Sinque Northern. Sinque, welcome to Film School Radio.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I was not familiar with uh, Lisa's work and thank you for introducing me to her and to her work she's a very powerful performer tell me a little bit about how you got into this particular project
1: um well it you know i i knew lisa uh we had mutual friends and so we would see each other around this was years before we actually went to angola and uh one of the times when i kind of we had that conversation about hey what are you what are you doing she was working in rikers and was just telling me this story that the first time she told me the story of, you know, her battle between wanting to be an artist and working in Rikers and what she was doing with the the young people there. I immediately wanted to amplify that, but that was years before I knew how I could. And you know, we had that conversation. That seed was planted, and I did some pre-interviews with her over the years to get the full story. Fast forward years later, she asked me to go to Angola to shoot. You know this basically to shoot the the uh, performance um, of her performing in front of the men at Angola Prison. So I I went to do it, and since I had this thing in the back of my mind, I, you know I'm going to do something about her. I went and to record it this historic kind of performance, and based on what happened that day in that room, and the fact that they shut it down, and the way the men res- responded to her, then it became oh this this is about. You know specifically angola it was always about incarceration in my mind or mass incarceration and and how this one artist is trying to face it through art i thought was always powerful but then that what the events that took place that day became the story and lisa had known producer Catherine gunn for years who also had been wanting to make a film you know that featured the play and i also knew katherine didn't know they knew each other. And then it turns out that, you know, all three of us kind of had these aligned goals. And so we we all partnered up and, and uh, you know, Catherine was able to make it uh, and Alban pictures were able to make it a reality. So we made the story about Angola specifically and what happened that day.
0: I want to dive a little bit into the history of Angola. I think it's so important. And also in the context of sort of revisiting Angola and so much of uh, um, the American apartheid experience through the work of Michelle Alexander and her groundbreaking book, *The New Jim Crow*. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of. Let's talk about Angola. Like, what do we? What can you tell our listeners about this prison?
1: I, I believe certain things have have are symbolic. The first part of it is just the symbolism of this place really being on the land. Of a former plantation. It's 8,000 acres and it was a plantation. It's called Louisiana State Prison, but the nickname is Angola. And that nickname comes from the fact that that land was a former plantation and the enslaved people, most of them came from Angola. So they had that nickname as a plantation. I think it's very profound that it still has that nickname. And that to me, that message resonates. Through a lot of the policy and the culture of the place, whether people are bringing it up or not. It's 8,000 acres, and there are, I believe, I may mean, not get these numbers perfectly accurate. This is something that Lisa is better at, but there are, I think, 7,000 or 8,000 people, incarcerated people there. 70% of them are African American. A lot of them are serving very long prison sentences this is something that's very common in louisiana long prison sentences it's a surreal experience to be there there's a rodeo it, there's a cultural aspect of it where angola has an awareness that the outside world kind of is intrigued by it and it leans into that a bit and so it has a rodeo that incarcerated men take part in um, often they're not Cowboys, they're not trained in bull riding and they can sometimes really get injured. But this is something that people pay to come to and and watch. There is, there are just a lot of details where you realize Angola is aware of its public face. So we were invited to come there to spend two days there really. And we, after Lisa's performance, we were supposed to be given a tour of the areas that Angola has you see. And and we're working with some of the incarcerated men. Once the play was shut down, that wasn't the the tour was shut down. So there was a lot we weren't able to see. Angola is the largest prison in the country in a state that incarcerates at very high high rates. Uh the sentences are are very long. I don't am I answering your question or is it Yeah, you are and I just okay, yeah.
0: and what I'm hearing in the in your answer. And what is so troubling as we sit here in 2022 is how institutionally embedded, culturally embedded, it seems that Angola is in the history of Louisiana and to a greater degree in the history of the South.
1: How normal it is. And this is something that I really wanted to, to point the camera at is what is so normal there. The kind of thing that they take for granted that allows a place like that to exist. I remember there was one of the one of the people with the administration that was before the shutdown when they were being very gracious hosts and showing us, one of them said that, you know, we need about 8,000 bags for this place to run. And I paid attention to the word need, which I, I thought was a really, it almost felt like I see the CEO, you know, taking us around a company and, it just all stem from a very problematic paradigm, yeah. you know, and it's a complex issue that there's there is no quick solution to dismantling mass incarceration in the form of one place, you know, like that's that is the like it's like a a centerpiece example in some ways it's certainly not the only place this is not just about angola i mean these persons this this system exists all over in new york and california you know not just in the south yeah, there's something disturbing about how normal it is for everyone and how accepted it is and how this resources are more put into sustaining it than they are making it so that it's not the case
0: very quick background on myself I was involved in politics for about 15 years or so here in California, and in 2006, there was a ballot initiative called the uh, "Mend the California Three Strikes Law." I was the campaign manager for that for a statewide ballot initiative, and it, because of that, I became much more familiar with incarceration rates of incarceration, who gets incarcerated, why they get incarcerated, and in California, people the citadel of liberal America, right? In the in the previous 20 years to that, we had built one university, one new university and 20 new prisons. And so that was the statistic, that was my go-to statistic to to highlight this. And then in light of three strikes, it became part of the formula for a mass incarceration. Right,
1: and those prisons are investments.
0: In terms of Angola, in terms of you, it's alluded to in the film, there's there's a some brief description of sort of who makes money off of uh, off prisons and why and how. In terms of sort of the idea of mass incarceration, let's talk about that part of it, because I think it's important. So how does it manifest itself in a place like Angola?
1: The reason that why Angola is one example of just kind of the horrors of mass incarceration is because the process of having someone incarcerated for long periods of time. There are a lot of men at at Angola that are in their 60s uh, who went there at 17. The the reason why it's such a a problem is because the sentences are given, they're not consistent across communities. It's very much a specific community. It's very much a, a specific demographic that receives much longer sentences for some of the same crimes and it's a culture of incarceration one of the problems is that there's so much industry that we don't think of there is there are billions of dollars made off just off the phone calls that incarcerated men have to make to their families and they there's really no competition there's nothing stopping them from charging in incredible rates for these men to to call home. Um, Everything about prison is a contract, whether it's the uniforms they're wearing, whether it's the snacks, whether um, anything that is in their commissary. We've even heard, this is from testimony from the men that we talked to. There are contraband phones in there. There are drugs in there. There's all kinds of things that can get in. And although I'm speaking to Angola, this is not exclusive to Angola. Um, but we were talking to men from Angola, there are phone contraband phones that can get in, but the phones can be confiscated and used as leverage to, you know, either put the men in an undesirable area within Angola, um, because there are areas in Angola that are more desired than others. They can be used by le- as leverage from the guards. You know, so in other words, once they conf- confiscate a contraband phone, they can put you in a place in Angola you don't want to be. So there's only one way the phones can get in there. It's this, this is inside of a prison. And so the contraband is both allowed in, but also leveraged to control. There's even money made off of, and now I'm speaking, I'm, I'm going to New York, like there's even money, a whole transportation system exists around taking people to these prisons both public transportation, but also even livery cab drivers, like local working class people. Like there's an entire economy that revolves around prison that in a society like the one we have, it's incentivized to grow. And the only way it can grow is by there being a population in those prisons.
0: I want to pivot back to Lisa Jesse Peterson but before I do that I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Sinque Northern he is the director of a documentary short called Angola Do You Hear Us and it is available through MTV Documentary as it's available now you can go to the website it's streaming now on Power, Paramount Plus and I will have all that posted to at the uh, filmschoolradio.com and uh and let's pivot back to the subject of this documentary Lisa Jesse Peterson's performance is remarkable in what we see and also in the day of. There's so much drama in this documentary. You're there. You're waiting for this performance to begin. How close are you to actual time that you're going to start when what happens?
1: So we spent two days there. The first day we were in the chapel. Lisa was rehearsing. As she was rehearsing, uh, myself, the DP, and the sound person were just basically figuring out how we wanted to shoot it we had the whole chapel to to just plan our shots plan how we were going to get sound which we were doing on the first day and we were in there with some incarcerated men who were part of their own camera crew and we got to know them and literally we had that rehearsal day so the next day was the day of the play where she would do the performance there was a an Angola live camera crew that was streaming it uh, to the whole prison and uh, they have a live stream so everyone at the prison can watch it on on TV so they have a camera Angola has a camera crew then there was our camera crew about 15 minutes before she went on for reasons that to this day we still aren't weren't told and don't know why um, even though I'm told this can happen in prison at any time we we were told we were not able to shoot the performance and that we had to lock our cameras away. So literally sound person, camera person, we all had to put our cameras away. We're sitting right in the audience with the incarcerated men watching the play. Like we're just right there. So I'm watching them file in and sitting down and they're not clear what it is it's what's it's going to be so i'm literally watching them go from i wonder what this is and like who's that and, and and then all of a sudden they're all engaged i watched this whole transformation yeah so we were we were very close. i mean you could feel the energy in that room and it wasn't always tension it was times it was just they were you know she just had an immediate connection i lisa has said this many times once they shut the cameras down it was such a dream of hers to have this recorded um and to use it in other places that she was furious when they shut the cameras furious and sh- and as an actor and a performer i think a lot of that just went into her performance that day i've seen her do this performance other places it was very different here and i think all of that energy and that fury went into the character and there was something unfiltered about these characters she was creating on stage and they were speaking directly to the men and the men were responding. And there's this one character that she plays, uh, this male character that she embodies in the play, and they were responding like he was a real person. Like they, every time she turned into that character, it was like, some, like an old friend walked on stage. And they responded, and that was the character that delivered a lot of the the um, the statistics and the the about Angola and the rates of incarceration and how they're used, you know, for financial gain. How the, and even though it wasn't a big part of the play, it really those parts and that character specifically really riled them up. And I've been told since that. On another day it could have been different but there there was someone in there who had the power to shut it down i don't know who but like you know but and and did
0: well you said did you say there was a rehearsal of this right or did it you? was a
1: rehearsal the day before this was well. literally the day before
0: <laughs> well i have an idea what happened
1: <laughs> But oh, oh but here's the thing in the rehearsal i it wasn't a full run through of the play i think lisa had an awareness of of what to so it's more I I shouldn't say rehearsal it was more a sound check and okay. more like her feeling out the stage and where it is she didn't go into the whole it wasn't I, yeah not a rehearsal it was like the whole it wasn't the whole play
0: it's it's powerful her performance that we see in in the film uh Angola, Do you hear us is powerful you can only imagine what it was like that day and the way you're able to re- replicate the experience through uh through animation and other techniques in the film really drives the the point home of what you're describing and uh it's got to be just an incredibly traumatizing that's the right word experience to go to Angola to know what you know to know history to know to and to see it play out in real time in real life it's got to be something unbelievable
1: it really was and to be there and <sighs> You know, the day before, the men that we were interacting with, who were incarcerated and part of, they have a drama club and they have um, the camera crew, and so we we really got to know them. At least, you know, those few men. and and these, they they there are certain men that they allow a certain uh, access to the outside that, and they and so there's certain men you interact with, and then others you don't. But just from the ones we interacted with. I think they saw Lisa, they saw the flyer and had a sense that, hmm, that what was going to happen could happen. I'll put it that way. Now, on the day of, you you mentioned trauma, when we all left that prison and it was maybe 10 minutes later, we were in the van back outside. It did not take long. First, they got the men away from her. They ushered the men out first. They said it was an emergency. Usually if there's an emergency, they get the guests out first, I'm told. They got the men out first and then then they ushered us out very politely but we were on the road you know about 15 minutes after that shutdown and lisa was in a fury you know she was coming off the energy of of the characters and she was interrupted usually there's a q a Q&A after the play was coming in for a soft landing and then she gets to de- decompress with the men as herself not as the character it absolutely was. Everyone was just in shock, really, from what happened and from how how it escalated and and how it was interrupted. I never would have thought in that moment that I'd be here talking to you about this film. It, it I it it wasn't like I left and said, ah, I got it. This is great drama because it was shut down and, and we didn't get to shoot this key part. It, it wasn't immediate that, to me that this would even be a film and it was, I had to even recover and process, you know, what, what happened. So that came much, much later, but there was a sense that what, what happened in that room needed to be shared as a metaphor. There are films like the 13th that can really examine the structure and the system. But sometimes I believe you can tell one story that ripples and shows so many layers of an issue that can move you in a way that you want to learn more. And that's really what I'm hoping to do with this film is to make something absolutely unacceptable that we've all normalized, not just the people at Angola, there's a larger society that we have to be complicit in our silence um, to say this is normal. And it's normal that one demographic, a minority demographic in the country can fill up Um, an entire feed, an entire system that speaks to, to, to poverty, you know, and, and, and just uh, really profiting off the suffering of others. It's a complex issue and there's a lot to look at, but we have to denormalize it as a society. And so I was trying to create a film that made it feel not okay.
0: Yeah. And that's what comes across in this film. Angola, can you hear us? My congratulations to you for your powerful work. And my congratulations to Lisa Jesse Peterson for her work as well in this. And um, gosh, thank you so much. Thank you for the film. And thank you for spending some time with us to talk about it. Thank you. We've been speaking with Sinque Northern. The film is called Angola Can You Hear Us. It's available through Paramount+. Plus, So be looking for it there. It's available now. So congratulations. Thank you.